This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, November 20th, 2020, and it's a Relevant Podcast. In Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, it's author, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. He's doing it again. He does it. That's my this, thing. Like every now and again, a, you just This is an audio in. podcast. You gotta <laughs> say something. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to one of the biggest actresses out there and an outspoken Christian, Letitia Wright, is joining us. Now, here's what's interesting about Letitia. You would think, you know, if you know an actor or an actress who's outspoken about their faith, they probably grew up in the church. Think Chris Pratt, you know, others. Not Letitia. She came to Christ recently. And we mm. talked to her about that. The story is awesome. Oh, I can't. I'm wait. a huge fan. Just yeah. I'm, I'm over here fangirling. I ain't gonna even hold y'all right I, now. You can't see it on my face because it's an audio podcast. But I'm, I'm fangirling for sure. I Letitia, mean, I love you. She, she was such a, <laughs> a, a scene stealer in, in, man. You know, especially I mean, in everything she, she has a really great episode of Black Mirror. I don't know if you guys are Black yeah. Mirror fans. Yes, but she, has I love a, that episode. Yeah, she has a that, this like roadside little um, kind of museum of really kind of <gasps> weird. That ar- was artifacts. such a weird episode. But that's it Letitia was crazy. Wright. That's Letitia Wright in there, <gasps> and, and and I feel like she it was her humanity because that 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 in, that episode is totally bonkers, right? Like a lot of Black bonkers. Mirror. But if it's wasn't grounded by someone who had so much humanity in just the way she carries herself. I feel like it kind of would have got away from her. And then you look at, um, you know, her performance in the Avengers movies with Shuri. Um, y- y- you know, I mean, she literally steals the scene from everyone she 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 yeah. she shares it with. She's hilarious and like really charming. And I'm stoked she's on the show. And she's having she's having such a cool career. Good for her, man. Yeah, she's. Uh, wasn't it like two years ago? She was the number one top grossing actor in Hollywood because she was in Star Wars, Black Panther, like Avengers Infinity War, like the biggest movie. She was in all of them. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And and there was a couple other that are escaping me at the moment. But I mean, yeah, she's been on the hottest of hot streaks. And I think she is someone who culminating today. Yeah. On the relevant podcast. Right here on the relevant podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Building up. Her career has been building up to this moment. For this moment right here. That you're going to hear in a few. Also, after that, we have the next installment of our fall wellness series, you know, coming up on Gluttony Week, Thanksgiving. Oh, gosh. But this isn't about that. This week, we're taking a holistic look at wellness, and we talked to mental health advocate Brittany Moses about how to find a good counselor and the proper role of faith in mental health struggles, which is something the church needs to do a better job talking about. So we will start the conversation here. Also, we've been having this conversation for a long time. Also, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Uh, Cameron, you set me up last week <laughs> about COVID. 
about the the vaccine yeah. changing your DNA. Do you know how many DMs I have from from uh, relevant people saying, "Hey, Derek, it's so irresponsible. This is not true. It's not going to change your DNA." They're sending me these like you know what's funny and stuff, and I'm so, I, I'm like, not, look, I just but, one, but, go ahead. Not one person <laughs> hit me up, and not one person hit up relevant. They just all hit you up. Why? Like, why me? Like I, I'm I like, why? it's 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 Cameron that said it's going to change your DNA. But you know what? I thought about this. I said, that's how information spreads, though. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like someone hears something and then they say it and repeat it. It's like playing then, telephone. Yeah. And I, like, I heard stuff on the news and I knew I wasn't getting it quite right. I kind of said mm-hmm. that. I'm like, it's not a normal vaccine the way we think about it. It works more at the genetic level. I do yep. remember that. And I didn't know exactly <laughs> what it was. You were the one who said it turns you into werewolves. You know, like zombies or whatever. Listen, listen. Here's here's the thing: the when when you make a mistake and you either are inadvertently disseminating misinformation or simply misheard something, the right move here, as we've learned, is to just double down. Because even if (laughs) even if what you're saying isn't the truth, if you just will it to be, maybe that will become the truth. Like, let's say there was widespread fraud. If you just say it and say it and say it and then if if somebody disputes you like working in your administration you who them is the head fire of the area that made sure that there was no fraud and he says there was no fraud yeah fire him because you got you just got to triple down at that point you got to quadruple down just keep it going but All imagine right, well, imagine that dude though cameron imagine him you know listening to donald trump say like this is the most insecure like yeah. unsecured election he's like this is his life's work he's been working on this election for <laughs> four years straight he's like wait a minute what are you saying like i've done everything i can do and then right. he tells the truth and then he gets fired that guy had he had the worst string of luck hey, there he, is well, period he well, oversaw Abby, literally only- <laughs> historically proven to be the most secure election in world history <laughs> Hey, the, but the, he got fired for doing it. Hey, so, the know. only the only one with the only one with worse luck than that guy are the thousands of people who literally volunteered their time to conduct, you know, and a lot of people like patriots <laughs> yeah, care about democracy and have, and have been subjected to, to harassment. And, you know, some of them, some of these people are personally, you know, named in these affidavits that, you know, I mean, it's literally the, the, the government attacking volunteers who, you know, the, the theory evidently is that thousands of volunteers from across different partisan leanings across different states uh, were able to conspire to pull off widespread, you know, like it. it, it, Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. And, (laughs) you know, also also they are the ones behind the zombie vaccine. I'm telling you, it's the same. It's the same conspiracy. It's all connected, Jesse. I know. Just got to hey, dig into gotta it. You don't got to tell me. You don't got to tell me. <laughs> hey, uh, before we move on, we have relevant news coming up in a minute. But uh, Jamie, you've been on a big media blitz for your new book, UBU. Listen. And you, I heard through the grapevine that you had a unique interview this week. Tell us about it. Listen, I've been on all the podcasts, all the things. That's what you do. And then my publicist was like, hey, Gina McCarthy... You guys know Jenny McCarthy. Legend. Jenny <laughs> McCarthy has a radio show. Would you like to go on it? And I was like, you mean Jenny McCarthy that used to be like on MTV? Playboy. Yeah. Playboy. Dirty mouth. Singled out. Singled out. Singled, yeah, yeah. And, so now she's on The Masked. 
the yeah, she's on the mask singer. Wasn't she no, married to Jim Carrey? Yeah, for a while. Yes. Okay. Well, and now she's married to a new kids on the yeah. block guy, Donnie. I went on her podcast. Uh, it was actually, it aired on Wednesday morning. And you guys, the doing interviews, you guys are probably better at this than me. I get so nervous and anxious when I interview people who are blatantly not Christian-esque, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so like yeah. on our interview, she said the F word a few times. That just doesn't normally happen when I do interviews, right? I'm not saying she's bad for doing that. I'm just Language. saying, I'm just saying it's not my norm. <laughs> and I always am like, am I, I don't, it's just stressful. It stresses me out. Did you, did you participate? <laughs> I did not use any foul language. Oh, okay. To make her more comfortable. You didn't? Okay. No. The, I, I didn't know. I, I mean, I'm, I, I say curse words in my life. I'm not opposed to them. But <gasps> well, well yes. why are you not opposed to them? I am like, judging you, you right now. You encourage, you encourage your kids to curse? No, I don't. But I tell my kids that like, if you're going to say words like that, you have to be held responsible for them. So if you're a grown up and you're really How angry about something. are you held responsible for them? Well, because I know I'm a grown up. I'm not going to curse on a podcast. I'm not going to curse in front of my parents. I'm not going to curse on a stage. Why not in front of your parents if they're fine? Because can't, I feel interrogated right now because my parents might be offended. And so I would choose not to, although yeah. I w- might. Listen, guys, I'm a grown hey, woman. She's slay- hey, look, she's slaying this, though. Like, she is killing this. This is she's thought through this. I have uh-huh. thought through this because uh-huh. I don't like saying like, oh, that's a bad word. Well, who says? Like, just be yeah. a grown up about it. And know when I to love use that. it. Well, then I, why are you? Uh, why then? Why did Jenny's language throw you? It didn't throw. I wasn't offended. I'm just saying oh. I don't normally do interviews where someone uses the f word because I write faith based books and I have a faith based podcast and those type of things. So it was just a new environment. I'm not. I wasn't did offended. You send your audience to go listen to it. <laughs> you, yeah, I don't care. You, so I'm not. Did offended. you tweet about it? I don't tweet, but I did put on Instagram. Did you really? Yeah. Did any yeah, of your of followers like write you that they were offended? Oh, I'm sure somebody is. 100%. I will get a, I'm so very disappointed in you no, message. Oh, your followers. I mean, your name of your show is the happy hour. Like, yeah. uh-huh. like I mean, it, it's I not gotta, the effing happy like, hour. Yeah. But, but still, though, but I mean, here, here, if I mean, they I, drink, surely they said a, yeah, but maybe a wordy just dirt literally every now think, and again. Maybe they just think literally that it's the other version of that name. And it's just like an hour listening to Jamie makes me happy. You but, can you know, go there but, if you want, but, but I love a happy hour. But are, are we kind of fresh drinks? Yes. <laughs> yeah. To, but to Jamie, to, to your, to your, to I, I totally understand the um, change of you know kind of pace sometimes. Yeah. But I mean, I think I think we're all kind of have evolved to the point you know, in our kind of views of uh, language and and profanity, and, and to like the intention of even like how scripture addresses you know thinking on things that are good and pure like i don't know necessarily think that that necessarily means like if you use the wrong combinations of letters like you're in violation of that you know what i mean like i i think that's kind of more about the intent uh, of things so i think it's cool that you had an interview with Gina mccarthy i think she is super fun and super talented she was super and fun super and a super cool person so I it think was great dope. but it just yeah. makes me sometimes get sweaty armpits you know she had a, she had Not a great sweaty armpit <laughs> i used to watch the Wahlburgers on a and e the yeah. reality show for uh-huh. the Wahlburgers. she was on that when she was with donnie i don't know if she still is she still donnie, is but. fyi in case you need to know oh there you go very mm-hmm. excited yeah. to hear yeah. that good for mm-hmm. them very she, couple yeah all right We'll move the show along. Stay tuned up next. It's Relevant News.
Listening to Judah and the Lion, the song is Spirit. Well, today's show is brought to you by Tyndale's Life Recovery Bible. Life has been tough for many of us over the last year. This is especially true if you're struggling with addiction or dependency. But there's help available. You will encounter God's grace, love, and redemption in the pages of the Life Recovery Bible. This Bible integrates the 12 step program with Scripture, provides a devotional reading plan, includes encouraging recovery profiles, and much more. Get your copy of the Life Recovery Bible. Go to www.liferecoverybible.com. Okay, it's time for Relevant News. Relevant News. Please welcome to the show Relevant Senior Editor Tyler Huckabee telling us what's happening this week at the intersection of faith and culture. Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. So what's going on? Well, we're going to start. We are going to start with a with a very with a pretty serious subject today. But then things are going to uh, get get lighter as we go along. So brace yourself. So you're, you're, okay, you're giving us yeah, a trajectory here. All right, we're I starting like at the it. deep end of the pool, and then we're going to be swimming up. We're, we're going to so we're, we're like keep, diving we're in. We're, we're doing a, uh, we're doing a cannonball right into the deep end, uh, swimming toward the shallow. Oh, you're like babies. Go. I'm throwing you into the pool, and you're going to learn how to swim. They, they, oh, they say this works. Um, but we are going to start with something that that is pretty important. Um, I think we've discussed this before, but I do want to offer this caveat every time. We we do not cover every single scandal that happens in a church on this podcast because neither we nor probably any other uh, media outlet has the resources to do all of that. We do not have the airtime. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> Yo! <laughs> that would sad. be its own media platform. <laughs> its own thing. Yeah. Day. It would be a live stream 24-7. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but Yo. it is true. <laughs> but our rule of thumb is, is that if we have given you a platform in the past, then we do need to report. When, then we hold ourselves responsible to report on yeah. when things go awry. And things did go very seriously awry at Hillsong, New York over the past couple of weeks, as I'm sure many people have seen, uh, if, especially if you've been following along realmagazine.com. We've been trying to follow along with updates on that uh, a few times and just wanted to give a, a little bit of an update, sort of a summary here of what we know so far. Um, so as you probably heard, uh, Hillsong, New York pastor, Carl Lentz, uh, stepped down. He, he resigned. And then shortly after that announcement was made, it was revealed that he had been unfaithful in his marriage. There have been a lot of reports, uh, none of them particularly substantiated on exactly what happened there or who it was with, but you can, if you're interested in gossip, you can go look that up, obviously. Um, Since that time, Hillsong founding pastor Brian Houston has announced that an independent investigation has been commissioned to look into what he called the inner workings of Hillsong, New York City, following the termination of Carl Lentz. Um, He tweeted this. He said, we need a solid foundation for a fresh start and new beginning. He also said the best is yet to come. Uh, He sent a statement that was first uh, acquired by Religion News Service in which he said that the church has heard from, these are his words here, from a number of people about their experiences and concerns following Lentz's firing. He said, quote, we are taking this extremely seriously and on the basis of this report, we will be better positioned to take whatever actions are deemed necessary to right the wrongs and see Hillsong East Coast to move forward in a way that enables many more people to find their hope in Jesus. 
Um, so there, there's obviously a lot more there. You yeah. said at the beginning that Carl resigned and then you just said firing. Do you know wh- which one is it's it? It's a little bit unclear based on the statements that were, that were put out, whether it was, it, it doesn't sound like he resigned of his own free will. Either he was told to resign or, or the position is terminated is the language that Hillsong itself has used. Gotcha. So that probably means firing, but it's not, okay. it's not super clear. Gotcha. So just kind yeah, of an abundance of clarity there. We've, you know, we've covered this on our other platforms as, you know, uh, credible news. We gave, you know, we told the announcement that Hillsong made. We, we covered Carl's message that he posted on Instagram. You know, we've just said, here's the information and that's kind of thing. No salaciousness, no gossip. And we've gotten criticized from everybody. <laughs> like, 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 like for not talking are, about it. Yeah. Like why? Because, you know, why aren't you talking about it on the podcast? You talked about Jerry, you know, Jerry Jr. You mm. know, like, and it's like, are you trying to cover it up? And then we've talked about, and then where we did post it, very prominent Christian leaders who are friends with Carl were calling us out for gossiping and just, you know, slander and all this stuff. And it's just like, damned if you do, damned if you don't, yeah. right? I mean, so it's like, we are not happy about this information. This is painful for a lot of people. Obviously, Carl's been on this platform a lot of times. We're not canceling Carl Lentz. We are praying for him and his family and all those affected by this. And, you know, I, I, I we believe in restoration and we hope that ultimately healing can come in all of this. And, and, and you know, we're pulling for, for them. But, you know, we just do feel like we owe it to our audience to, to report what's out there. So... I think this is always so hard because, I mean, we did talk about this a lot with um, Jerry and how that could hurt so many people under his leadership, you know, that then they could be like, I don't know how to trust the church. I don't know how to trust God. Right. You were so you know prominent. And so then you look at someone like this and you're like, oh, there are so many people who will look back and say, Carl Lentz was like an integral part of me following Jesus. Like I fell in love with Jesus because of his teaching. And I think that can be hard for someone to then have to deal with well, was that fake? Was that not real? And, you know, again, I've said it before. I just want to encourage someone to know that like Carl, Jerry, Cameron, Jesse, Derek, Tyler, me, Clark, none of us are Jesus. And so we're always Why'd going. Why you put me in that list? <laughs> we're always going Jesus. <laughs> to let people down. Some of us are way further on the spectrum than others. <laughs> Far. Because I mean, Cameron doesn't use curse words. Cameron's mistake. closest. Yeah. Cameron's closest because his mouth right. is purest. Um, but on the same sense too, like we're all very much held accountable for what we're doing. And as leaders, they're held higher accountable. You know, yeah. all of us who mm. have a voice that people are listening to, we have a high standard that we have to be held accountable for. Everyone has a high standard, but you know what I mean is like, there is a big, big accountability for people who are teaching in that magnitude. And so again, I, I have to have full hope that Carl and his wife can be restored and he can love Jesus and all the things, uh, but it doesn't make it any less hard right now for the people in his church. And and Jerry too. I, I have hopes that yes. you know, Jerry and, and his marriage will be restored. But at the same time, I think the I think the thing here, Jamie, just to to piggyback off of what you said, that's why the scripture saying James, man should not desire to teach because they'll incur stricter judgment. That's not just from mm. God Himself, but that's also from people. Mm. Like when you put yourself on that platform, you're gonna get stricter judgment. But I think the difference between Carl and Jerry is it would seem outwardly that Carl is accepting, you know, mm. the mistakes mm-hmm. that he's made 
and Jerry, you kind of just got to find them out. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I may be wrong and maybe I missed it, but I haven't really seen a real actual like apology from Jerry. It's like, even when it's an apology, then next thing you know, it's something else, you know, rolls out and rolls out. So that's why I think the Jerry thing kind of stayed in yeah. the news is because the denial and then also that it's just a snowball of thing after thing after thing doesn't make it doesn't make either one better or worse. It's just when one yeah. minute, you know, somebody's doing hip curls with two girls on a barbell, then the next minute they have their pants unzipped. Then the next minute, you know what I'm saying? They're they're yeah. halfway drunk on an inter on our interview. Like that's different than a guy posting and saying, Hey, I made a mistake. I'm gonna focus on my family. And they get out of the way. You know what I mean? I think that's the difference. Why, as far as the coverage is concerned. And, and there's other, there's other leaders even recently that have admitted to, you know, extramarital infidelities and different things like that. And again, we're not, we're not covering all that. That's not what we do. Um, you know, but this one was unique because Carl was even on this podcast just a couple months ago. So, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things that we felt like we had to bring that information. So you're not going to yeah. turn this into TMZ. Twenty four seven live stream, man. I'm telling you, we can do it. It'd be easy to fill that content feed. That's sad, but that go. I mean, heck, you could. We could fill it sometimes with our own lives, you guys. Okay, like just Very we're true. all we're it's all true. screwing up here. It's true, and, and uh, <laughs> he's always so positive. Huh? Well, it's, I mean, and it, and you know what? If 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 it happens with one of us, then it will be addressed on this podcast, and we all live with it. And a lot of podcast, we we all live with that reality, and and, uh, and so we'll cover it, and we're aware that that have the standard that we hold others to obviously be held to us as well. Mm. So, hey, I experienced ooh. that a year ago. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, I exactly. Mean, exactly. The public knew that I was a bad leader and they heard all about it, you know, and I was held to account for that as well. I mean, uh, it's, it's part of it, you know? Yeah. So that was the deep stuff. That was the hardest one. If we got through, we got through that, we can get through it. Tyler, you, you threw the baby in the deep end yeah. and it drowned. Look, it's at look, the bottom of the floor. Backstrokes. <laughs> Just up and down. It's incredible. <laughs> what Scientists are what baffled. A, what a grisly metaphor. This um, <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of Ozark. If you ever seen that episode where he was baptizing the baby, that's what happened. We just baptized the baby. Hey, that's yeah. a real way they teach kids here in Florida. I I was at the YMCA at six months old, and they, they throw, throw them. In. They yeah. throw the babies in the deep end. It's in very the deep unsettling. End of the pool. Yeah, it's called yeah. natural selection. If it don't make it up, it ain't strong enough. <gasps> oh my gosh! Have, oh, Are you well, serious? A, well, there's That's a teacher right there with the baby. Yeah. They're not yeah, throwing yeah, a baby there. in and watching them. <laughs> well, hope they come back up. Hey, <laughs> I was gonna say that's what's wrong with Florida now. Y'all crazy? They're instilling terror in children almost from birth, and just be like, hey, what would seem to be in other parts of the country, literally the most reckless thing you could do which is to throw a child into the deep end of a pool here that's called just good smart parenting um, jesse we don't have we don't have community pools that are three feet deep like they do there in virginia you go 25 feet in any direction there's a water you do yeah. you gotta you gotta you know gotta, how to do it hey, that, you that, gotta know how to fend for yourself they teach they give little baby sticks to fight off the gators and it's all good no well, no they don't do that they don't do that. well side note did y'all see that video of that gator yeah, the, that's the, 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 the chunky boy. Yeah, that mug looked like the it was like rock. a dinosaur. It was like a dinosaur. Man, that's why y'all have fences I'm around cool. your pools, right? No, in I don't. Florida, but no. I've seen it a lot in Florida. I don't. 
What's I mean, his name I, on uh, College Today? What's the old mm, guy? I mean, mm. um, oh, oh, Lee Corso. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You see him every Saturday. He's at his house. He's got a fence around it. He's got his. Yeah, some some cautious people do. Okay. Mm. I, I'll say this. I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that when it comes to cool exotic animal pets, maybe it's just because they aren't trainable. Because from my understanding, reptiles, you know, don't have the biggest brains or amphibians or whatever an alligator is. Uh, you know, compared to mammals, but it's a reptile. But when you see, when you see, like back in the day, like Mike Tyson or or one of these, one of these cats that literally had like a tiger for a pet, right? That yeah. was like a status symbol of like yeah. I got the baddest pet around. Why didn't somebody have? Why does someone have one of those huge alligators on a leash? Like one of those big <laughs> fourteen footers? Because it's like, hey, dude, the white tiger is cool, but mine looks like a dinosaur. Like, why don't we see high end exotic alligators? for pets you know because they run 35 miles an hour in short spurts that tail will kill you by itself and there's no way you could if it wanted to eat you it would eat you Did so you let's give the kids a five stick. miles per hour that's why the all the lakefront property we have if you have a dog dogs get eaten all the time <sighs> on, on the lakes because because gators will sit there in the weeds wait for the dog <sighs> to be walking around and it'll and if you can catch a dog you could catch a human. Okay. You know, real, real quick. I'm going to rank. I'm going to, and Tyler, I know you've got important news that we need to get to, but I'm going to rank. It's, it's super rich. News. It's super rich people, exotic pets that are just a flex. Number one is obviously a monkey that wears a diaper and has a big <laughs> lollipop and you can put him in like a funny Sherlock Holmes outfit from time to time. That's number one. Number like two. Like Michael Jackson used to have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And his name's like Mr. Pickles or something. Yeah, oh right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, or or, or, like, or or Henry or something. It's either got to be a two-syllable male name or Mister yeah. followed by a funny, h- hilarious, inanimate yeah. object. You know, yeah. um, it, you know, Mister Diapers works or something like Mr. that. So, Mister Bubbles, yeah, yeah Mister Bubbles. It has to, have to be Mister. Can't just be Bubbles. It's got to be Mister. <laughs> uh, or it could be like Sebastian or some like multiple-syllable male name. Okay, no, so, just okay. Bastion, Bastion, Bastion. Yeah, this is my my and this. That was all number one. This is this is this is my monkey son. This is my monkey son, Bastion. Come into the room, Bastion. And then he comes in and he's wearing like Jesse, a hilarious you know little sailor full outfit. Well, because of your own experience, why there aren't more monkeys and orangutan pets? They they turn, and I don't know they, that they tend to they tend to turn on their masters. And here's the I other thing: I don't know that they know this story. I think you need to tell them. What, what, oh, okay. I will tell them, but real quick, I need <laughs> I need to say this as well. It's that. And I've, because I've thought about this, I've been, I've thought it would be really cool to have like a pet monkey that you see like celebrities have, but, yeah. but, but you know, they're always like just hanging out on the, maybe a leash, maybe a, you know, they get the little diaper on. No one thinks about having to change that monkey diaper. <laughs> Nobody thinks about that. Okay? But I want you to think about it and be like, I Pretty probably gross. don't want to do it. Okay, so real yeah. quick, monkey number one, number monkey. two, exotic white tiger. Number yeah. three, I would say this is clearly where it's like a, a large anaconda or something that you wear as a necklace, uh, uh, you know, on stage for performance reasons. Then I feel like the alligator should come into play. I feel yeah. like the alligator's not even in this equation when it comes to cool, exotic, rich people animals. You know? Well, I think it's because it's so common. It's not rare. If you want an alligator, just come get one. They're they're right there. Just go get one. Yeah. I mean, like, you know I, what I mean? like in a week, Cameron, not a, you not see not how a 10 many foot alligators? A ten foot alligator is not. That's, yeah. You don't see that every well, day. You see buckle. an alligator every week of your life, dude. Every body of water has ten to twelve foot alligators in Florida, dude. Every, I'm out. Every, I'm, I'm never I'm swimming in, in, in Florida. Just, I, I'm just not doing it. 
So, they, so Cameron, do you want me to tell that story? I can keep Please. it really quick. Okay, so Jamie, Derek, Jesse has over the years told a couple of stories that have lived on an infamy, and I keep trying to get him to tell them again. He's talking about monkey ownership. He has had a firsthand experience with monkey I, ownership. I did. I, I was hanging out with a guy in college, and he was, um, you know, we we're hanging out in the dorms one night, and, and he came back, and I could tell he was like a little shaken up, you know? And uh, I was like, Sean, what, what, what's going on, man? He's like, well, you know, he was dating a, a, a girl who lived off campus, you know, right there in, in, in Tulsa. And he was like, you know, things are going well, but man, I had a really weird, uh, you know, a couple of weird experiences over because she wanted me to meet her family. Like things are progressing fast, but, um, uh, you know, he was like, when we, when I first got introduced, she was like, Hey, I, I just need to let you know that, um, you know, before you meet my parents, that my dad has a monkey son, and he's very <laughs> fond of this monkey, monkey son. son. Yes, it was like they weren't Not raising this. Pet. No, they weren't raising the monkey as a pet. They were raising it as a sibling. Okay, no, and and she was like, "But here's the thing: it's this breed of monkey that, for for reasons that are you know, kind of." biologists and evolutionary scientists are trying to still determine they they hate the youngest and smallest in the family which is what me, is, yeah it, yeah it was some large ape like it wasn't a small monkey okay it wasn't like a monkey that is gonna have the little symbols and, and do funny <laughs> tricks and you can teach to like be a from pick, aladdin and yeah you, you can no. teach to be a pickpocket on the streets of san at like the yeah. wharf no. in san francisco not no. one of those monkeys it's like an orangutan like a large yeah exactly and so yeah. he's like we go over there and i guess this monkey i guess monkeys man it's something about like the herd mentality or the fact that they're wild animals that for some reason we tried to domesticate but they're all about asserting dominance and so he goes in there so he's like so when we go my dad's really gonna want the first thing he's gonna want to do is to to let you meet the the monkey son and he's like okay so he goes and the monkey is in a cage right like it's straight up large monkey cage and he's just kind of hanging out checking out the new guy and the father walks over by the cage and is like, so this is so, and so he's telling the whole backstory. The monkey reaches his hand through the cage and grabs the, the top of the dad's head with one hand and starts squeezing it and won't let go. Like, and, and the dad's like trying to play it cool. Like, oh, this stuff happens all the time. Sometimes when you have a monkey, ah, ah, sometimes when you have a monkey, oh gosh, he's my style. Like, and like, so Sean had to end up like slapping the monkey's arm away. And it was very weird. Okay. It was very weird. And he was like, so that was a weird experience he's like and then i saw my girlfriend today and she was like i don't know if he was riled up because of the visit but uh somehow he had gotten out of his cage okay and he uh uh you know she was sitting in like this was this home had like a, a like a like an office you know and they had like the family computer set up there and she's doing her homework or whatever and she sees in the reflection of the screen the monkey standing no. directly behind her and he knows she knows that that monkey hates her like he, that that monkey is genetically predisposed to hate her and want to kill her okay like and she's standing there she says she's just staring into the reflection of the screen seeing the monkey like just staring at her like waiting to make his move so she like terrified she grabs like very slowly grabs like a letter opener that's on the desk just in case this, this is goes a movie out. This a in letter case, opener case, who owns could, a letter it opener could, it could go down in a monkey knife fight at any moment okay that's the kind of life she's living any moment you could be in a knife fight to the death with a monkey okay so she's standing there just staring and they're kind of in this like you know mexican standoff but she's looking at the monkey's reflection she sees her father 
who had evidently gone to, you know, haphazardly throw bananas into the monkey cage and notice that the door was open. He then goes, she sees in the reflection, the father is then standing in the doorway behind the monkey. And he knows I got one shot. So he slowly takes off his belt, like a leather belt. And she sees him just pull it back and just whip the monkey in the back. And she said she just heard, like, like the loudest monkey scream ever. Like she said, she said the monkey threw it. It was just like, and like at that moment, the dad jumped and tackled the monkey and used the belt to like, and she just got out of there. And she went to her boyfriend. Why did was like, he hit the monkey in the back? Why didn't he just grab the monkey? He that needed the element of strength. Exactly, exactly. This was the only move there, Derek. It, it was the only move. Head like a cantaloupe. I mean, that monkey would have taken him down. Exactly. I can think of. Uh, I can think of three hundred things he could have did besides smack the monkey in the back. <laughs> 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 this is what I have to say. I'm not saying that this girl deserved any of this, but listen, people, don't be bringing those kind of animals into your house. Like everyone's like, oh, I can't believe the monkey did that. It's what? You can't believe it. It's a monkey, guys. That's what they do. Yeah. Blaming the victim. Yeah. No, no. The thing is, like, at some point, the monkey's going hostile. We just know that. <laughs> yes. Okay. You have to be prepared for the moment that the monkey is, it's either going to be like, look, we're taking over or I'm, I'm blowing this popsicle stand, you know? And you yeah. just have to be willing to do the uncomfortable thing, which is one night, just leave your front door open and just hope <laughs> the monkey finds his way out. And you never think of it or hear from it again. If you hear a story on the news about a monkey that got loose, you don't say anything and you just Dude, pretend it never not happened. Monkey, son. That happens in Tampa. Uh, the monkey Island. I mean, people like had domesticated monkeys and they couldn't handle them after they got too aggressive. And so there's a monkey sanctuary yeah. where people just have to discard their monkeys. Yeah. And, hey, and, hey, what? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's, it's Monkey it Island. Dude, it's Monkey <laughs> Island. And, and over the years, Jesse can tell you, over the yeah. years there have been news where where monkeys, because they're smart, have conspired and gotten off of Monkey Island, and there's like feral monkeys roaming Tampa, parts yeah, of Tampa. I yeah. see. I'm cool on Florida. Like, I mean, I mean, I'm cool on Florida, bro. I'm just gonna be honest with you, dog. I, I, I just don't really see my retirement home, brother. Imagine just being in your rocking chair mm-hmm. and it's hot, and a feral monkey. <laughs> Just hops on your porch. I'm good. And then an alligator comes after and eats it right in front of you. Oh, right in front of you. Cool. It's like. They, they, there's anacondas, a, there's a unique, beautiful balance of formerly domesticated wildlife. Just roam, just keeping each other in check. You have gigantic <laughs> alligators. You have uh, prematurely released anacondas. You have uh, monkeys that have half been trained to live as people. All just kind of mixing and melding in there for one ecological di- looming disaster. That's what Florida is. Florida is Australia Junior. Yep. What Florida is. That's, That's actually is. true. Yep. All right. What else you got, Tyler? Yeah. Well, well that was really good. That was all from the baby metaphor, <laughs> was, I think. That was all from Carl But we do. I think we talked Bottom a little line, bit. Bottom line, Hillsong's <laughs> investigating the monkey problem in Florida. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's all going to come together at the end. Just wait. The uh, we we talked a little bit last week about some some promising developments in the the COVID vaccine situation, right? right. That uh, that there was l- last week, Pfizer had come up with a, a very promising um, first round first round development of a vaccine. Now that doesn't change your DNA, by the way. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I know because 
there's been plenty of uh relevant yep. white ladies in my DMs. <laughs> let me know. So, um, thank, thank, thank every last one of you. I will never say that again. So we're get, we're gonna get a little more into that this week, Derek. This one, this one's got, and this one has some Tennessee roots too, because oh, no. uh, Monday oh, yeah. another new report of a very promising and even more promising actually COVID vaccine was published from Moderna, which is another pharmaceutical giant, um, and it looks even better. It has a it has a, so far in early tests a, a higher effectiveness against COVID vaccine than the Pfizer one does. Uh, and this one has a little fun. It has a pretty fun human interest story behind it because if one of the major funders of this vaccine was Nashville's own Dolly Parton, as we've discussed, mm-hmm. I think before uh, Dolly got into the vaccine development game as another one of her many, many charitable causes at the urging of her longtime friend, Dr. Naji Abumrad. Uh, he's a doctor at Vanderbilt, and he told her about this new vaccine technology called mRNA, which is the technology behind both Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines, which, as we discussed last week, is actually a very different kind of vaccine. It hasn't been used before, but it does not change your actual DNA. Like we said, it's uh, it actually replicates those spikes that you see on the pictures of the of the COVID-19, those little spikes. It mimics those instead of the actual cell itself. If you if if that's not totally correct, I do not care. Don't come into my DMs. That's, that was how I understood it. Just go it ask and, and don't Listen, man, me. I, you do not want to unleash the wrath of <laughs> I'm, I'm, my DMs of are relevant. I'm telling There's you, my DMs. About six months ago on Instagram, I accidentally posted something as relevant and uh, hit the hornet's nest of anti-vaxxers. Oh, and they yeah. came out after. Oh, so man. Be careful. They're, they're on Twitter all day. Yeah, that is. They, they, they is, got a lot. They, they're just they had time on their hands, and they came after us, man. So, yeah. so Dolly donated a million dollars to this is the Dolly Parton Research Fund, and it is now one of the primary funders behind this, which appears to be the most promising vaccine on the market, which could, pending some more results, could go into development as soon as next month. They could start giving this out to people who are high risk or who are working in hospitals or the front lines of this thing. Uh, I don't think it's going to be called the Dolly Parton vaccine or anything like this, and and uh, she's, she's being very uh, humble about it. But Dolly, one of the most charitable people who's currently alive right now, she She's given away uh, countless, and this is true, countless millions of dollars to families who've been displaced by the wildfires. Uh, she's given away over 100 million books to kids in need, 100 million books to kids in need. And of course, she also wrote Jolene, and she was the executive producer of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So this woman's just, oh, the rap sheet is just, well, just miles long. It well, doesn't Tyler, end with this you woman. know the other wrinkle to this story is uh, because I may or may not have been planning on bringing this a slice in a later episode, but that's okay because I have a deep well that I can pull from and I'm just going to fabricate a story for the next episode we record. Um, but the other wrinkle to this, well, there's two, well, there's two, you know, she met Dr. Abumrad after she was in a, in a car accident years ago right. and they, he didn't even know that she was so, like a celebrity. Um, you know, he's of Lebanese descent and not really kind of super in tune to American pop culture. However, his son, is extremely attuned to American pop culture because his son is Jad Abumrad, who is the uh, the creator of Radiolab, the podcast, as oh. well as More Perfect and the uh, pot and uh, another show, Tyler, that I know you talked to Jad Abumrad about. Right. That is about the life and legacy of Dolly Parton. 
Mm. <laughs> yeah. And we have that whole interview on RealBigMagazine.com. You can read yeah. our interview with Jad Abramrod about his thoughts on Dolly Parton and about her faith, actually, which he got into her pretty, pretty, they went pretty deep on yeah. her feelings on, on her, on being a yeah. Christian. Yeah. Uh, well, our, I mean, our, she our did a song with For King and Country yeah. in the last year. Just, yeah, just a couple, few months yeah. back, right? Dolly's Dolly legit. Parton. She's legit. She's legit. I mean, think about the 100 million books donated. I mean, it costs about a dollar to print a book. That's $100 million. My That's kids a, got some of her books. We used to get those books when we lived in Tennessee. Yeah. They come in the mail every them. month. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Seriously. We yep. get them. I had yep. no idea. Wow. It's it's amazing. You, if you have a kid, you can sign up and you, you by the you time you books. hit junior high, you've got a small library. Yep. Facts. I had no idea about that. That's crazy. Yeah. I just thought she was like nine to five and... Like 80s country music. That's uh-uh. crazy. Nah, Nine to she, five wasn't a metaphor. She's working all day long. She's <laughs> working all day. <laughs> yeah, but, but, <laughs> hey, people definitely should check out the that show, Dolly Parton's America, that Jad Abumrod and WNYC produced. is a is a really great show, not just about, you know, even if you're not interested in Dolly Parton, but the her legacy as an artist and sort of a cultural figure dating back to you know, honestly, just just decades, you know, um, her thoughts about poverty, about, you know, kind of bipartisanship, about faith, you know, it really, really great show about, you know, gender equality. Like she's a very smart, per- a very, you know, uh, uh, in addition to being an incredible songwriter, like a really thoughtful person. And the words from Jolene go great if you just say vaccine. 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 Good job, Jesse. <laughs> I'm just saying. I like that. We could do a song for her. That's figured out somebody in America. Didn't that, Gregory Brothers didn't that still podcast around. podcast yeah. use some kind of soft science to find that she was maybe the most liked person in the world? Yeah. They, 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 uh, I they see use, why. They use like the Q rating. And what they found is, uh-huh. and this is sort of the introduction to that, that show, is like, Obviously, in a lot of parts of the country that tend to be more, um, you know, kind of politically conservative, um, like red state, you know, she is very, very popular. Um, But in also, you know, they also kind of anecdotally talked about when she came to play like Madison Square Garden would draw like huge crowds. A lot of people from the LGBTQ community uh, are, you know, have embraced Dolly Parton. She really has the ability to bring a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds together, which kind of makes her such an interesting figure. You know, wow. All right. What else you got, Tyler? Last story is uh, this is about uh, <laughs> this. this I'll be interested to hear how y'all feel about this one. So mm. CBS uh, has unleashed a new diversity pledge last week. Uh, they vowed that the cast of their reality shows and they're the reality TV juggernaut survivor, Big Brother, Love Island. From now on, those casts are going to be 50 percent black, indigenous and people of color. It's a really big move for the network, um, according to CBS Entertainment Group, uh, released a statement saying the reality TV genre is an area that's especially underrepresented and needs to be more inclusive across development, casting, production and all phases of storytelling. As we strive to improve all of these creative aspects, the commitments announced today are important first steps in sourcing new voices to create content and further expanding the diversity and our unscripted programming, as well as on our network. Now, this is uh, an interesting move for a lot of CBS has taken a lot of heat for this over the past few years uh, for being an extremely white network. uh, And that goes both for their scripted series and for their reality shows as well. In fact, there was a, a group called the 
Black Survivor Alliance made up of former cast members of the reality shows of color who talked about their experiences, which were pretty negative on these mm. shows and felt like they were not given the same opportunities as people who were white who appeared on those shows. Big Brother drew criticism in 2019 for several white contestants' racist remarks on the show. And in 2017, when CBS uh, launched its new fall lineup of scripted shows, there were six new series. They were all led by men. Five of them were white. So this is a place where CBS has a, a lot of room to grow and making half of these casts uh, black, indigenous or people of color. Otherwise, is a it's a step. But I'll be interested to hear how you all feel about this. I'm so that's I think it's great. Like, obviously, obviously. Right. I think it's great. But I don't I don't mean I haven't seen Survivor in, I mean, years. I didn't even know it was still on. Facts. Yeah. I'm going to give it real. I'm indifferent. Yeah, that, that I mean, it is interesting to see, though, after the this year that, you know, uh, it was almost like a question of is there going to be actual societal change after the protests, it, like with legislation, with policing, with culture, you know, and so it's interesting to see a pivot, a positive pivot toward recognizing blind spots that a lot of the entertainment industry had previously. I mean, we know that after like Oscars so white, they put in you know, uh, guidelines for diversity in the film mm -hmm. industry and stuff. It's just interesting to see that this fruit is maybe part of what's coming out of, you know, the outcry that our nation had this year. I don't you know. know. It just depends on the kind of show for me. Cause every time this happens, it becomes, okay, we're going to do unscripted black shows. Now let's go to the middle of the hood and show how black people overcame shooting at each other. It's like, or, you know, single mama stuff or it's like mm -hmm. finding the 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 most salacious part of black culture and mm -hmm. saying that this is what black people are. So like for me, I'm still kind of side eye. I'm like, if, if your solution is, OK, we're going to hire more black and indigenous people. Can you please show the best parts of our culture? Because, you know, we got some pretty cool stuff we're doing, too. Uh, well, I besides think, I think overcoming all, uh, getting shot at. So. But I think all they're saying is like our big brother or uh, world race or whatever greatest race. The reality called, shows. Amazing oh, okay. race. That they're going to make sure that there's diversity represented in the contestants. So, I mean, it is what you're talking about. Like It's normalizing the diversity of or it's reflecting the diversity of our country, not, yeah. you know, not tokenism. I don't okay. know. I, I, it could be a good thing. Okay, all right. Well, you know, no, that's not, I, I'm always skeptical, bro. Like, I'm just yeah, gonna be honest. Just, yeah. just, I'm yeah. always skeptical when white people are like, "We're gonna be more diverse," and it's I like, I see right, how you, you would know, be even at churches about you know. a show, but of them just opening up. Okay, for, we're gonna make sure our reality TV shows. We're not scripting anything. I mean, supposedly we're not scripting things. We're gonna make sure it looks more like the way that our country looks versus just all white contestants trying for to. For sure. Well, the thing is, okay, I, you know, I wasn't sure if it's like, okay, we're going to make more programming that's going to include, that's going to have, you know, black culture uh, included. But then also at the same time, even in those type of environments as well, oftentimes what I've seen is, you know, okay, we're going to pick the most ratchet mm. black person we can find, or we're going to pick the most like and you know no disrespect to this person but we're gonna pick candace owen because she's gonna stir the thing up you know what i'm saying like i'm like man can we just get some regular like inspiring black people like don't get the most gangster person you can find and don't necessarily have to get the most um 
I don't know a good way to say this, so I'm not going to say it, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Can we just get, you know, the, the, you know, can we get the Miles Morales? Can we get those kind of guys? Yeah. Like the Chadwick Bozeman's? Can we get, you know what I mean? Well, so, it, yeah. it, well it's even like, like the statement that he, that he released here that, uh, that, that CBS actually put out made an interesting point, which is that uh, needs to be more inclusive across development, casting, production, all phases of storytelling, which it seems like would address what you're talking about, Derek. Hmm. You get people actually in the room where it happens, you know, in the at, at leadership positions, which yeah. is not. Uh, what this particular commitment they made is says it's going to do explicitly, but mm-hmm. it feels like that would be where you'd actually see that shift towards not just representation, but actual uh, cultural movement in terms of the narratives that are portrayed. Yeah. Well, Kenya, Kenya Barris, the show creator behind Blackish and a bunch of others, he has that Netflix show called Black AF, and he it's more of a autobiographical show and he came up in the writing rooms you know mm-hmm. sitcom writing rooms and stuff mm-hmm. like that and a major narrative in that is how white the industry is behind the closed doors and that 99 percent of the time he was the only diversity in the room and so that's one of the big things he calls out about the industry is that the people making the content making the decisions need to be more representative not just people on screen yeah but, 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 that's why yeah. blackish is so dope i it's love blackish yeah, so much it's such a good show like because yeah. he's it, it's Blackish to me is this generation's Cosby show. Yeah, like it's great. Cosby show really kind of showed black people in a light that people weren't used to in a different world. And I think blackish shows that as well. And I think, you know, more shows like that, that just show the normal black experience. Um, like I, I, I love that. So it, yeah, I yeah. mean, look, Hey, I guess, you know, look, man, we'll take anything we can get. I will say, too, on the, on, the, on the Hollywood side, I think three of the most important, uh, I, I would think that three of the most important uh, filmmakers, work, young filmmakers working right now are young people of color, Ava mm-hmm. DuVernay, Ryan Coogler, and mm-hmm. Jordan Peele. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at you look at the difference. Uh, it, you know, obviously, like Get Out had. You know, is it's a it, that that is a story. You know, that is the the plot. It hinges on ideas about race. But when you look at a movie like Us, you, you know the 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 cast the 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 star of the the film happens to be a, a black family. But it, it it they're presented as you know a norm. To your point, Derek, like a normal. I mean, aside from spoiler alert one of them may have kidnapped another version of herself in a past life but aside from that they're like a normal family on vacation you know that that uh you know but but i do think there are some real really exciting projects coming out from young black filmmakers that i think hopefully will continue to get a lot of attention in hollywood yep all right well for a lot more of that type of content check out what we're putting out every day at relevantmagazine.com thanks tyler thanks everybody Stay tuned. Up next, Letitia Wright joins us. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. Jolene, 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 Jolene. Please don't take him just because you can. You're listening to Dolly Parton. The song is Jolene. Look at that timely production shift that we just did. Talk about Dolly Parton. We're going to play it in the break. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
Is something preventing you from experiencing peace or achieving your goals? With the heaviness of all that's happening in our world, it can be difficult to find peace and purpose right now. And that's why there's BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You can message your counselor anytime. To top it all off, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a relevant podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash relevant. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash relevant. Well, Letitia Wright is known for her starring roles in Black Panther as Shuri, uh, but she's also starred in movies like Ready Player One, The Commuter, and of course, Avengers Infinity War and others. Most recently, she stars in the TV series Small Axe. Letitia recently sat down with our very own Tyler Huckabee to talk about that show and about her faith, the pressure of fame, and a lot more. Here's part of our conversation with Letitia Wright. Letitia, you've been spending a lot of time inside. We all have. How do you, uh, what do you do to take care of yourself when you're feeling stress or anxiety? Um, definitely, um, first and foremost, prayer. Um, you know, I go by God's word and the fact that, you know, his word says he doesn't, there's no burden and there's, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. So, and there's no anxiety, like be anxious for nothing. Um, there's no anxiety in the kingdom, you know. You can be in, you can be anxious, and he understands it. But he says, "Be anxious for nothing." Um, through his word, um, so I just try to apply apply his word and 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 just pray, just pray it through. Whatever I feel, I pray it through. And I'm learning um, that exercise is good. You know, I went back to the gym today, which is great. And I'm just. My, and this lady that was before me, her session was before me. She was so. She ended her session and she's like, I want to go again. And I'm like, whoa. So all the, all the chemicals and good stuff in her brain was popping off. Um, and yeah, so exercising and eating well and going to bed at a good time. And surrounding myself with good books, good people, good friends, just a balanced life as best as possible. It's not easy to have that, but as best as possible. Can I ask this? What does prayer look like for you? Oh, man. So I'm like five years in the Lord. I'm like a five-year-old in the Lord. Um, I'm like five years, coming up to five years and completing five years of being a Christian and like, oh, giving my life to Christ. It's been so many different things and, and, and it's like a relationship I'm building with the Lord to understand what prayer is. At first I thought, you know, I pray as I feel. And then, at first, and then secondly, it was just like, I have to pray like, at a certain time and at a certain hour, but I'm learning that it's a combination of the two. Discipline has to be there because in order to maintain that relationship um, and connection, you have to have some sort of discipline. And it's not about how you feel most of the time. It's just about your faith. 
so I cannot feel like praying, but I know I have to pray in some sort of way. It can be just so, so, so then it becomes the way in which I pray when it's time to pray can be creative, if that makes sense. So when it's at night, I might not, I might not feel the urge to pray in a particular way that I'm accustomed to. I might just write a poem to the Lord or sing a worship song to him and, and, or just, just speak to him in, in, in the silent moments. Yeah. And just learning about the discipline of prayer too. Um, and how important that is because you don't want it to be like a chore or a task, but you want it to be a connection. Tell me the story there. You became a Christian five years ago. What what happened? Why did you decide to become one? Um, the motivating factor mainly for me was that I knew that I wasn't living a life fulfilled. I knew it when I was a teenager. I knew it when I was started coming into my early 20s. I just knew that something was missing. I just didn't know that missing puzzle was Jesus. I didn't want anything to do with Jesus, actually. Yeah, didn't want anything to do with it. I just thought uh, the typical kind of prejudice things that you would think about Jesus, especially as a young black person too, you think, oh man, it's a white guy. I don't want to worship that. And I didn't see him for his purity and his love and, didn't see him beyond color. I just saw him in a prejudiced way. I just saw him in a way that it was just negative thinking from my end. And, um, and yeah, just the dark place that I was in. And I just kind of saw my other friends take a leap of faith with Christ. And I just kind of, just this sense of peace that they had when I saw them is a peace that you can't buy. And I just knew it off the bat. That's, that's what, my life was meant to look like that's what my spirit is meant to look like i just knew it my friend was very beautiful and contacting me in my lowest place and i just tried i said i'll try jesus for a year see what happens and I'm, and I'm still here and I'm not going back. All right. So my experience with pictures of Jesus growing up was very different because obviously all my pictures of Jesus uh, looked like me. And obviously now I realize that was very different for people who aren't white. Uh, was that a struggle for you growing up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Through maturity, you grow. And I remember like my dad recently gave his life to the Lord. And I remember he struggled with that. And I struggled with it in the beginning too. And he's just like, man, you know, I want to do this thing, but I'm not sure. And then it just comes with a maturity and a love. And it's like, why should I care about the color of someone's skin who got nailed to a cross for me, for my sins, and to make me whole? That doesn't matter anymore. And it, that comes from maturity. I'm not saying that Jesus was a white guy that looks like you, but, you know, he was in Egypt and Egypt is very hot and Israel is very hot. Um, so you kind of know that you would have some beautiful melanin there, but, but irregardless, he's yeah. bigger than that. He's bigger than just what his hair looked like or his skin looked like. It was about his heart and it's about what he did for us here on earth and, and how it really is, how it really is, how real the spirit of God is. So let's talk about Mangrove. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Can you tell people a little bit about the story? Mangrove is a part of a collection of five films that are all combined to make an anthology series called Small Acts. And 
the origins of it came, the origins of the idea came from Steve McQueen's desire to put a light and a spotlight onto the many black British heroes and, and men and women who are who were involved in our society on a day-to-day level that did great things that uh, it's unheard of and also to 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 show the culture specifically the west indian culture um on mainstream media that we haven't seen um uh in a long time and uh, and as much as we need to and hoping and praying that it's an education and i'm so honored and grateful to be a part of that all of these stories in small acts are just so poignant and so uh, important. Um, and there's a lot of attention on stories like this right now. Do you feel pressure from all of that? Oh, man, funny enough, I don't see it as pressure. I just see it as an opportunity, opportunity to tell the truth and put something out there that's meaningful. And I think the pressure may come from hoping that people like it, but then People like things and dislike things, you know? Not everybody's going to like something. But I think, no, I never felt, I don't feel any pressure or I never felt that because I just, I just always want to do something that is meaningful. And as long as I find it meaningful enough to be a part of it, then that's, that's okay for me, you know? And however you receive it, it's how you've received it. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, as long as it's meaningful from the jump, and it has something to say, then I just let I just do it and then just let it go. So this last question is a little strange, and I apologize for it, but I hope you'll indulge me here. Um, you, when I when I was thinking about this interview a little bit and just going over some of the other conversations that I've seen you have in public, you have so much joy in your presence. You're a very joyful person. Um, what encouragement do you have for people who, who sort of are struggling with feeling that joy right now? So I'll use myself for example, and if it's if it relates to someone, and then praise God. But say, for example, I've been going through a difficult situation of trying to come to terms with something that recently happened and it's huge and it's painful, but in the midst of dealing with it, cause it's a real situation and it's real emotions, there's little pockets of joy. And I try to just take it as it comes, you know, it could be my little sister laughing or making a joke or the birds flying across my, my, my balcony, just finding the pockets of joy to get you through the hard times. And then eventually it just transforms into wisdom and, um, and life affirming uh, wisdom that you can take with you. And that when you are in a place of peace and like ease and like the, the, the weather is not so crazy, the storm is not out there, you're in a place of peace in your life. Although the major pockets of joy that you can have, you just keep. That was Letitia Wright. To see more of that conversation, check out our feature with her in the brand new issue of Relevant. It's available now for free at relevantmagazine.com. In the deep end with the DCs where the slaves jumped in the coral reef. All I see reefs over 400 ain't a field. My 
forerunner yeah. Keep killing us, we gon' kill mother yeah. That's a born sinner Only time I ever go female J. Cole on it Everything I hear got bass on yeah. it Strings attached, Drake chronic Red attack, tap, bullets in our back Do you love black or just listen to it? Are you for the movement? Only music could have only been you're listening to Lecrae featuring Rhapsody. The song is Deep End Remix. Well, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, today we have our latest installment of the fall wellness series we've been doing, brought to you by UHSM. This week, we talked to Brittany Moses, an LA native and mental health advocate who's helping raise awareness for mental health and providing people with the information they need to live a well-balanced life. Brittany sat down with Tyler to talk about how to find a good counselor and the proper role of faith in mental health struggles. Uh, like I mentioned, the Fall Wellness Series, both here on the podcast and at relevantmagazine.com, is brought to you by UHSM, member-to-member health sharing. You can see why millions are choosing this Christian alternative to traditional insurance. Ask if you qualify for UHSM membership today by calling or texting 833-367-8476. That's 833-367-UHSM or by visiting uhsm.com slash care. Here's part of our conversation with Brittany Moses. Maybe you can start off and just tell us all a little bit about what it is you do. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really kind of at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health. Um, born and raised in Los Angeles. I'm in California and uh, studying psychology and research assisting at UCLA's Semmel Institute for Neuroscience and Human Behavior. So uh, in my studies in research, working on a thesis, but then also I, I do a lot of like opening up the conversation about mental health in a holistic way uh, in in faith settings, in general settings, but I think mostly in the faith community. I was a church kid, so, um, so just that blending of the theology and the psychology and even the science as far as we're looking at it comprehensively is kind of what I'm really big about. So uh, in your line of work, what would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions you've encountered in the faith community around mental health? I think there's two big things that come to mind. One is, you know, I think throughout the history of the church, we've kind of had this 100% spiritual view about mental health, which is all, you know, the symptoms of mental health and the causes are all a spiritual issue, just solely a spiritual issue, um, which can unfortunately lead people to be demonized or something must be wrong with your faith for you to be, or your relationship with God for you to be having this, you know? Um, and so the biggest thing I advocate is that we are biopsychosocial, spiritual beings, biological, psychological, social, and spiritual human beings. That's how we're wired. You know, the Bible says to love your God, Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. We have all these dynamics that make us a human being and that also contribute to our mental health. So, uh, just addressing the whole person, that's probably the biggest one. And then I think the second thing I like to really debunk is this idea that, um, that again, something must be wrong with you spiritually or morally uh, or your character if you are experiencing depression or anxiety or have been even diagnosed or even need to take medication. Um, and I think that just comes from black and white thinking and the assumption that, you know, good things must happen to 
people who do the right things and bad things must happen to people who don't do the right things or are in some kind of disobedience or unrepentant sin. You know, Matthew 5, 45 says, rain falls on the just and the unjust alike, right? Um, Jesus comes across the blind man in John 9, and they're like, who sinned, Rabbi, him or his parents, that he ended up blind? And Jesus says, nobody sinned, neither. This happened so God may be glorified. And he, you know, goes on to heal him and he becomes a witness. But um, I think it's shown biblically that, hey, these things happen, and it's a part of the human experience. You know, I think it, it has been encouraging to see a lot of churches and faith communities get a little better at uh, at the role spirituality should play, since so many of them gave spirituality just a little too big of a role maybe in the past. But what would it look like to, to properly contextualize faith within the conversation around mental health? What role does faith play? Yeah, that is a really great question. Um, because for me, like both equally play a role in my life, right? My, my faith and the practical side. And so, one, I think, I really do believe that the church is a solution in our communities to the mental health crisis because research for over 25 years has shown that when a person's in psychological distress, they will go to their church, they will go to their clergy or their house of worship before they ever step foot to a mental health professional. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about having conversations on equipping the church with this, because that's where people are going. You know, they're in your pews, they're at the altar. Um, and I think uh, there was a study done by, I want to say Lifeway, where they found that something like 59% of pastors had counseled someone who went on to receive an acute mental diagnosis, meaning there was something more severe and persistent, and they kind of slipped right by them. So, all of that to say, I do think the church plays a kind of preventative role in being able to even just learn the basics and being able to see maybe when something more severe is going on that needs more help partnering with mental health professionals as a kind of first response to that, um, but also as a, as a social support, you know, um, for soul care, you know, as well. And that's the role the church has always played, you know, before we had institutionalized health care, um, the church was actually, the monasteries were converted into places of care where they took care of the sick and travelers and mentally and physically sick. So, the church always had this community role in supporting those who were, who were struggling or battling illness. I think something a lot of us struggle with is when we have a friend or a family member who is struggling with a mental health issue, we, we don't really know what to say other than like, I'll pray for you. So, uh, what are some, some practical tips um, that you can give us for those of us who, who want to be helpful? We want to provide a good support system. We just don't always know how. Yeah, I love this because I do have hope. Like, I do believe in my heart that even when there are people who say the wrong things, they really are well-intentioned and they really want to help. Um, and I think one of the first things a person can do is to educate yourself. You know, if you have a loved one who has been diagnosed with bipolar or BPD or trauma, PTSD, um, complex PTSD, educate yourself. What are, what are some of the signs? What are the, some of the symptoms? Even ask the loved one, okay, what are some things that typically help you, you know, when you have an episode or when you're in this place, you know, um, what do you need? I mean, I think it's this whole approach of meeting people where they are um, and asking them how you can help is, is a really big one. Uh, being a, a accountability in a way of when you even notice that something's working in their life, being able to even point it out and say, hey, I noticed like, 
you've been, I don't know, exercising lately or writing more and you seem like you're doing a lot better. I just wanted to encourage you to like, keep on. Like I see you and I'm here for you. <laughs> just kind of that positive reinforcement even is great. Um, or even I always say, just like if someone was physically sick, you know, what do we do when someone's physically sick? We might be like, Hey, can I bring you food? Uh, can I drive you to the doctor? Um, how can I help right now? What can I help you take care of? Why don't we treat mental health issues the same way? is Brittany Moses. For more content like this, make sure to check out our wellness series every Tuesday and Thursday at relevantmagazine.com. Well, many thanks to Letitia Wright for joining us. You can follow her on Instagram at Letitia Wright, uh, and you can see her in pretty much every huge movie that comes out. Also, check out our full feature with her in the new issue of Relevant. It's available right now at relevantmagazine.com for free. Thanks to the support of UHSM. Go check it out, relevantmagazine.com. Click on the magazine link, and there's our November-December issue. It features Matthew McConaughey, Letitia, uh, Brooke Ligertwood, Social Club Misfits, so much more, some great content. Go check it out. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We'll see you on Tuesday. Have a good weekend, everyone. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.